Hi, this is Tom Vasich, and this is the UCI Podcast. What's it like to be on the front lines of the largest human health crisis in more than a century? Dr. Chris Fox can tell you. He's the chair of emergency medicine at UCI, and he helps oversee one of the biggest and best equipped emergency rooms in California. Each year, at least one in every three Americans visits an ER. That's 128 million visits nationwide. The ER has become the epicenter of U.S. medicine, and in Orange County, that epicenter is at the UCI Medical Center, where more than 50,000 people per year receive immediate trauma care. But the COVID-19 pandemic has considerably impacted how the UCI ER operates and the type of treatments it provides. Dr. Fox joins us to tell us what's going on in the ER these days. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Fox. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. What differences have you seen in the ER since the pandemic started? Yeah, since the pandemic, we've noticed first off, right from the beginning, initially our volumes went went down right away. I think uh, a lot of people are afraid to come to the ER and I saw some some surveys out there and indeed people four out of five people thought if they came to the hospital if they came to the er that they could actually catch covid from another patient in the hospital and i think that scared a lot of people away and our volume went down to almost 50 percent of normal normally we see about 150 patients a day in the er over a 24-hour period and we were seeing numbers you know half of that uh, somewhere uh, in the late March, early April range. And it's been kind of trickling back up. But what is interesting, though, is um, that people are waiting a lot longer to come to the ER uh, with their condition. And I, I can appreciate that. I think it's, it's tough to know when to actually sort of pull the trigger and go to the ER for something. It's a lot of people, they don't want to come unless it's absolutely necessary. And it's hard for anybody, even myself as an emergency physician, sometimes I wonder like, does this, should I go to the ER right now? And so um, I think with COVID, a lot of people in that little gray zone really held off and they said, ah, this chest pain, this abdominal pain, this, this slurred speech, whatever it is, uh, I, can, I can hold off and maybe it's going to go away on its own. I, I sure don't want to catch COVID. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that we're seeing is that people just delayed uh, urgent matters until they became emergent matters. And, and uh, now we're, we're just admitting uh, a lot more people than we were before. Usually we could send home uh, the majority of the patients who come in about, you know, 75% go, we treat them in the ED and then they go home. But now we're, um, we're actually admitting uh, quite a bit more patients than we had before. And so, I just thought it'd be good to kind of explain, um, you know, sort of that frame that don't wait until the last minute to come because there's a lot of things that we can do to help you uh, before, uh, you know, you're on uh, death's door, so to speak. Well, what are you learning about the nature of traumatic injuries during this time of social distancing and home self-confinement? Yeah, so for trauma, you know, we're level one trauma center uh, here in Orange County. We see over 4,000 trauma patients a year. And, you know, we're right where the orange crush is, you know, where the 55, the 22, and the 5 freeway come together. You see a lot of car accidents, a lot of motor vehicle collisions. Um, and um, about 75% of our trauma patients are blunt trauma. 
But I could tell you that uh, prior to COVID, you know, um, our, our sort of bread and butter trauma patient was that motor vehicle crash. And a lot of that has to do, frankly, with alcohol. And a lot of people are in bars and drinking, and then they don't, for some reason, want to take an Uber, which still sort of boggles my mind. Uh, but they weren't taking Uber, and they were getting back in their car, and they were crashing into each other. And this, that was happening a lot, obviously. That's for years. That's uh, why we exist in some ways. Um, but with COVID and the bars being closed, uh, people are sort of staying home and drinking or <laughs> and stuff. So they're not interacting with each other uh, in a bar and getting into fights and they're not interacting with alcohol and driving as much. And so I think, I mean, that's my theory. Uh, we've, we've seen a lot less of that, a dramatic decrease in the number of uh, car accidents. And there's less cars on the road. There's less people just you know, running into a possibility when they're changing lanes that they're going to hit another person or, uh, or what have you. And so I think uh, that's playing a big part of our demographic with trauma. But unfortunately, what we are seeing is more pediatric trauma. I think um, it's just parents aren't able to supervise their kids in the way they once were. I think, you know, they, the parents are still trying to work and the kids are home from school and they're less supervised and getting into you know, trouble and less supervision, um, certainly playing with devices that have wheels on them, like skateboards and bikes. And, and so we're seeing a lot of uh, pediatric trauma, unfortunately. What do you and the ER do when a person comes in who you believe is COVID-19 positive? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. Um, and I can, assure, I can assure you that we take every measure to, to screen every patient for any possible signs of COVID-19. So we have, uh, so first of all, no patients can even get into our waiting room uh, or even in anywhere into the hospital. Uh, they, they, they're, they're screened outside uh, under an awning. And, uh, you know, we have heaters out there at night and we have fans during the day, but this is a very outdoor process where they come in. And of course, everybody has to have a mask on their face regardless uh, of, you know, that's just universal now. So if somebody comes walking up the, you know, the ramp there and they, they're not wearing a mask, first thing we do is we give them a mask and, uh, and then we are talking to them about their symptoms. We're saying, you know, do you have uh, any of the symptoms of COVID? And so some of the symptoms you think about, obviously fever, cough, um, sore throat, uh, you know, body aches and pains as a result of the fever. These sort of flu-like symptoms are very common. But there's also some other symptoms that we ask about that aren't as common and people don't always uh, uh, think about them. And so one of the symptoms that we see is uh, loss of smell. And so we ask people about that and it takes them a while to think about that or loss of taste. And this is like you drink, you go to drink your coffee and it just tastes like hot water and you throw it out and you go, oh, I made my coffee wrong. That's usually one of the first signs uh, that somebody's having loss of taste. Uh, or sriracha doesn't taste spicy anymore. That's another really big sign. Uh, somebody will say, yeah, I can't taste spicy food for some reason. It's weird. Or, uh, or beer. Uh, you know, somebody's usually drink somebody who really likes IPA. Suddenly it's like, tastes like soda water. And so, so if somebody's having those types of symptoms immediately, you know, we're thinking um, COVID, even without a fever or any of those other symptoms. Uh, and then some, some gastrointestinal symptoms like nausea, vomiting, and uh, diarrhea, even loose stools uh, uh, would screen positive for potential COVID. And so 
Uh, and then we checked their temperature, of course. And so for all those patients, they would start over on the, in the COVID side of the, of the ER. And this COVID side is very well protected. Each room, you're, you're in your own individual room. You're not like in, a, in, in the open area where we just have curtains. We put you over in your own private room. And so in some, case, in some ways, it's a much better patient experience because you're not in with the mix with everybody. And so, and then over there, you get the COVID test and we get that test back in two hours. And, and then um, if it's negative, then you can um, join the other population. Um, but if we're so suspicious, if we're like, boy, I'm surprised that test came back negative. Um, we know that there's about a, somewhere around a 15% false negative rate. So if you really do have a lot of the symptoms, but the test was negative, we might keep you in the COVID side. And, um, and go from there. One thing about your ER that's unique in Orange County is that you train so many medical students and, and, and medical residents. What's it like working with these young doctors and doctors-to-be during this really exceptional time in, in medicine? The young doctors and, like you said, the medical students, they're, they're, they're getting um, sort of a front row seat to this pandemic. Because I think that a lot of society doesn't actually see the inside of a hospital. And they just hear about the pandemic and they, and they might see pictures on the news and, and they wonder, is this really happening? You know, I think there's a lot of, you know, conspiracy theories and stuff out there. But what's wonderful is that for, the, for our trainees, they actually get to see firsthand what this pandemic looks like. And so for them, uh, you know, they're seeing how we handle all of their personal protective equipment. Uh, you know, they're seeing how all the testing, all the results, how to interpret the results and uh, how to have a more of a, a public health approach to the pandemic. And, and so, and they're seeing how, how sick the patients actually are. Some of them are very, very sick. And so, you know, they're seeing those and, and they're also seeing how people are waiting too long because they're afraid of COVID. So they're seeing uh, a lot, uh, the patients who are coming to the hospital are a lot sicker than they were prior to COVID in terms of non-COVID illnesses, like they're having a stroke, but they're really, you know, having a stroke. They're having a heart attack. It's a severe heart attack. They have ruptured appendicitis. Some of the downstream effects of some certain types of conditions are being uh, witnessed now uh, by our trainees. And so I think that they're getting a really, um, uh, you know, sort of immersive, uh, intense experience. Now, that being said, with the uh, medical students, we do have a, a rule that uh, no medical students themselves are uh, permitted to go into the room of a COVID positive patient. Uh, residents can, um, you know, residents are doctors who are uh, in training, but not medical students, not the ones who haven't become doctors yet. So they can still come to the hospital and help us out with our patients and learn and everything, but they're not allowed to be in the COVID rooms, the students themselves. With restrictions being lifted and now Orange County not requiring people to wear masks in public anymore, what do you see happening this summer in your ER? Yeah, so you know I have some strong opinions about that, and um, I, I I think it's just the the simplest thing one can do is to wear a mask uh, out in public, just in case you're you're carrying it, or you may even be symptomatic and be spreading it. And so, if you could wear a mask to avoid other people catching what you have, I think that's you know it's such a simple, easy thing to do. <laughs> just for the next few months, you know, maybe a year. So say you got to do it for a year. I mean, to the, the, the science behind wearing a mask is so solid. It so helps us uh, as a society, you know, move forward and be with one another 
uh, even in the face of this pandemic. So to, to, to willfully not wear a mask, I, I, I fear that, uh, that uh, folks are really, that we're going to start to see the numbers really jump. So you're and, expecting a surge? Oh, we're we're see, we're seeing one, frankly, right now, uh, because of what you know during Memorial Day weekend, everybody was, you know, so cooped up and they just couldn't take it anymore. They all went out and socially on distance, and so we're seeing a little bump from that. And I worry that this summer, when everybody is, you know, I heard the gyms are going to open, and you know, all these indoor spaces, uh, bars, gyms, movie theaters, you know, you think about a bar situation, right? And uh, and believe me, I'm. I love going out to a bar with my friends and drinking a few beers and interacting and, you know, and, and, uh, goofing. And it's so, so fun. I miss that. I really do. And that's one of the things I'm looking forward to doing again someday, but, but not for another year, <laughs> I can hold off. Like I could definitely hold off as much as I enjoy doing that. Um, and so when you're in a bar, you know, you're, you're right next to somebody less than six feet away. And, and there's, a lot of times there's music, there's other people talking to really make your, to get your point across, to be funny. You know, you're, you got to really raise your voice and really project it, you know? And I fear that now that the bars are opening up and people are going to be near each other, uh, and especially when you start drinking some alcohol, you really lower your social distancing, you know, um, practice, so to speak. And I feel that that's, we're going to see a potential uh, spike here. And I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about that. I, I just wish that we could be a lot more strategic uh, and have a more surgical approach to this, if you will, and r- really prevent certain activities from happening. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. So I think that uh, wearing a mask in those situations is our only line of, of, of defense that we have left in, since everything's opening up. And I just, I just really hope that people uh, heed those uh, mask warnings. Well, one last question is, do you have any other advice for listeners about about COVID-19, their health, and their, their neighborhood emergency room? Yeah, I think COVID-19, um, it's a very interesting time, obviously. Um, I think my best advice is to practice safe social distancing and kind of look at the long-term ball, right? Like, look at it. Just say to yourself, I got to wear these masks for a year. I'm going to be six feet apart for a year. And hey, maybe a vaccine will come on the scene sooner than that. Uh, and that happens wonderful but just kind of get get into the stay stay strong with the social distancing and the hand hygiene and the um, and by social distancing I'm you know six feet apart I, I think it's really hard to catch this outside and I think when you're indoors in a in a closed space in a restaurant in a grocery store that's really like when your senses need to be high and you got to have those masks uh, but I think and be six feet apart but I think that when you're uh, you know, outdoors and hiking and, you know, the, in the ocean and in a swimming pool and your own lane. I mean, these are things that I think are, are just, just need to happen. And we just need to learn how to live with this and know when to wear a mask, wash our hands and stay six feet apart. Um, and the, the ER is uh, doing uh, every single possible thing we can to, to clean off all our surfaces and uh, ensure that everybody has a safe experience as they come to the hospital. Thank you, Dr. Fox. The UCI podcast video series is a production of UCI Strategic Communications and Public Affairs. For more about all things COVID-19, go to oc-covid19.org. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.